<clears throat> welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what trends are we going to talk trash on today? Just kidding. What 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 are we going to talk trash on? He said, what trends are we going to talk trash on today? Oh, pretty much all of them. You know what's stuck in my head? Hmm. That song that's like, can't make a wife out of a hoe. Oh, that one, that trendy one. That's like a TikTok thing. Mm. I don't have TikTok, but it's on reels now. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's stuck in my fucking head and it's so annoying. I had... <laughs> Do you have any trash Party to in talk? the USA stuck in my head this afternoon. <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was in my dream. How does it go again? <laughs> Hopped off the plane at LAX with a dream in my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame excess. Whoa, am I going to fit in? Jumped in the cab. Here I am for the first time. Look to the my right and I see the Hollywood sign. This is all so crazy. Everybody seems so famous. My tummy's turning and I'm feeling kind of homesick. Too much pressure and I'm nervous. It's when a taxi man turned on the radio and a Jay-Z song was on. <laughs> oh, that one. <laughs> it's oh, so no. crazy. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> That's Who as close to singing that? as I'll get. <laughs> doesn't it start like no 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 it was just like do you know that 90s song no what song hey babe what's going on yeah i love that that one that was on one of my peloton rides the other day and i was like this song is great you're like why did we forget about this song i like all day the next day and george is like what from. <laughs> oh my god i have i have breaking fucking news are you ready for this yes i've been listening to radiohead yeah for like a week it was has been awesome and i played it for so much that danny the next day at work was like i played he was like sending me pictures of radiohead songs on spotify and i was like <gasps> freaking out because danny since we started dating was like i hate radiohead what? and i was like you can leave me goodbye. And it was in front How do you of Jen. Hate Radiohead. Exactly. And we were so mad at him. We have someone I, at Kellert said she hates and does not understand the XX. And I was like personally offended. I was like, <laughs> You were like, Well, then I guess you hate me. You don't understand me either. It's like, How do you because... hate something that's like so beautiful in its simplicity? There's nothing to hate. I have hate. no idea. I have no idea. I knew. That it was because he was stuck in his way mm -hmm. and he was stuck in his way for <clears throat> approximately nine years up until the point when <laughs> a few weeks ago he, he realized started he was listening wrong. to radio. Yeah. <laughs> and he just listens to 90s ska all the time over and over and over for like the 36 years of his life. He's, that's what he's listened to. He's listening to what's going on. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> what's going on? He sings it like that too. And so he finally was like, okay, Radiohead's pretty awesome. And I was like, all right, we are officially married. We weren't married up until this point. It was all it didn't fake count. until, yeah, no. Anyway, I'm so excited. In your wedding photos, your fingers are like crossed behind your back. <laughs> I took pictures of me throwing the ring in the sand. No. If you can't accept Radiohead, if you don't like Tom York, then I don't like you. I have to tell you, I'm super upset right now. Why? 
I'm really glad that this fridge video is so popular. What fridge video? But my fridge video, me, me painting oh, a yeah. fridge. Yep. But what the fuck is happening? Like, is the rest of my art not <laughs> worthy of? And now people are just commenting about like, it's illegal to put food in fridges on the street. And I'm like, <laughs> it's not my business, bruh. Like, I have nothing to do with it. All I did was paint it. Why are you talking to me? Leave me alone. Oh, that's weird. It's fucking weird. Have you made more? I tried to make more, yeah. But then I was like, eh, it's just whatever. I see people do short ones and I'm just like, mm. The reason it was fun, though, in some ways, is because it was like the early Instagram. Remember when Instagram was trying to compete with, what was the one where you made videos? Vine. Vine, yeah. And Instagram first came out with videos. I thought that Remember, was so fun. Even before that, <laughs> when I told you to download Instagram just for its filters before it had like a social aspect. <gasps> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> and now if I think about using those filters, mm -hmm. I would kill myself. Yeah. Back <laughs> They're in the, day, the worst filters. We were using Hipstamatic and then I found Instagram <laughs> before it was like a thing. And hold on. What's my dad emailing me? How do I start? But if you're for it, can you make a lasagna? I'm playing golf up a day on Friday and can swing it. Aww. Oh, baby. <laughs> My dad wants a lasagna for his birthday instead of a present. Why is he so cute? <laughs> is your dad's birthday in January? Yeah. Our dads are Capricorns? Wait, what was I talking about just now? Before you were going to tell me about lasagna. Oh, <laughs> no. Before that. <laughs> so, it's pasta. <laughs> it's, it's this flat pasta. Lots I'm of telling cheese. You, it looks like a piece of paper. No. Put it in some water, pasta. Then you put cheese. We made a lasagna together when we were. Yeah, we that did was gorgonzola and everything. Ooh, oh, it was so delicious. Um, it was about reels. Oh, it was about Instagram. It was oh, about filters. Yeah, Hipstamatic and Instagram. And I remember telling you, download this. There's some stupid social thing, but ignore that. <laughs> and I literally was filters. like, wait, I have to post the picture to get yeah. the filter on my picture? And I was like man that sucks like still to this day if you go all the way back and please mm -hmm. don't do this people <laughs> i'm gonna go delete it right now before you post this but if you go all the way back in my instagram it's the stupidest fucking pictures yeah. of just i was just trying to get a filtered picture of myself <laughs> okay now for this episode i'm going to go pick one picture i'm gonna write it down can you please also one i think photo. i went and deleted a lot but there's there's definitely of course you did mm -hmm. from old insta <laughs> um okay are you ready for my fun fact really quick before we oh, get yeah, in i'm so ready <laughs> go 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 this is actually a fact from a new podcast i found so shout out Ooh. to them what's a the podcast they're called <laughs> fun fact wait are they called fun fact <laughs> are they really yeah it's called <laughs> what is it just one second fun fact is no, no no they're like 50 minutes they just go through facts and like stories behind them and then like make jokes it's really entertaining actually that sounds great it's like us if we wanted to do a fact based episode i don't do anything based on facts <laughs> i don't fucking use facts in my entire life no never heard of them <laughs> um, opinions is what i'm about opinions but this is the first episode first fact that i listened to and i was immediately hooked which is gonna sound <gasps> like the nerdiest thing ever but i really like it so you know how in like old english type stuff they say ye like ye old, yeah, ye old pub yeah you know <laughs> and old is spelled with the e at the end yeah yeah mm -hmm. um so apparently that's being mispronounced so <gasps> yay is it yay no it's the <laughs> is it kanye <gasps> what yeah so the there's two oh man that makes way more sense 
<laughs> it's so not it's exciting. Two, there's the fake ye and then a real ye. So the fake ye, which is like ye old pub, that's supposed to be the. So there was more letters in the alphabet back in the day and one was called thorn. And it kind of looks, I think kind of like a Russian letter in my opinion. It's kind of like a long, it's like a P but with the stem extending like above it. So it's like a line with a little loop off to the right. Okay. Um, and that's called, it's called a thorn, but it makes a TH sound. But then when they were getting, you know, the type letters for like printing, yeah. um, mm-hmm. they were getting those from London and other places that had the new alphabet. And a capital Y in gothic or like in something looked very similar to thorn and so they just used the capital y because it was close enough to be like a th sound so it would still be like the old pub but as fonts became like more and more of a thing and more diverse people still used the y and it became ye oh my god Right? The only time... My brain is blown. The only time ye is used correctly is a... What is it? Like a plural something for you. It's basically like an old version of saying you all, y'all. So like hear ye, hear ye is correct. Oh, I see. Okay. (laughs) What? (laughs) I just wanted to just start saying ye instead of (laughs) y'all. And how weird would that sound? Right? Hey, Hey, ye. (laughs) Do you want to come to my house tomorrow night? <laughs> Anyways, this was not interesting. And then the next one was about how Michael Jackson supposedly collaborated on Sonic the Hedgehog's theme song. Like, they're all what? so bizarre. Wait, is that a fact, though? It better it be It was, a fact. like, lore, but, like, heavily supported and turned into fact. Now I'm trying to think of Sonic's song. And apparently they're like, Buzz! I can't make the sound. But... <laughs> no that was good anyways whatever sound they were really good at doing it it was based off of old beatboxing that michael jackson did back in the day (gasps) oh my god that's so cool so everyone go i'm really excited about that (laughs) oh my god i'm gonna go right now let's not record this podcast i'm gonna listen to fun go listen and you can tell me facts next time okay we'll just repeat the facts that they tell (laughs) let's just rip off their podcast yeah. and, and it'll be like telephone podcast. it gets like more and more inaccurate as we tell it can we create a new podcast called telephone where things get ruined over telling them oh my god i would middle love brow. that <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good joke oh my god i didn't even i didn't even see it coming oh my levels are gone right at that moment it's like Pachoo! anyway <laughs> Um, darn it. I was going to say something else, but now I'm not. <clears throat> Welcome okay. to Middlebrow. Welcome to Middlebrow. Go. Middlebrow is a mostly contemporary art podcast hosted by two completely average human artists. My name is Olive Moya, and this is my best friend, Lindsay Schultz. I'm not letting you talk again. Mm-hmm. Thanks for, you know why? Because I think it throws me off, although I just threw myself off right now. But anyway, it's this podcast is for artists and for people who want to know about art but might be intimidated because Trust us, we're right there with you. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> Nailed she's it. Not, she's not scared time. today. She's only took 19 episodes. Exuberant. 
to practice. Yeah, I know. Congratulations. I am it's all over the episode. The, oh, what's it called? What's your like vocal range called? Vocal range? Um, <laughs> all over the vocal range today. You're all over the map. <laughs> You're all over the map. Okay. So I finished this about 30 minutes ago. <laughs> Can you even believe we're recording a podcast right now? Nope. When you're like, tonight, I was like, gotta do it. I was Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go right now. But not diarrhea. Ew, yeah, that's what that was for, wasn't it? Okay. (laughs) Simone Lee. She is just described as an American artist, but she's... (laughs) She doesn't like to be put in a box either? Nope. No boxes here. (laughs) Um, Although she primarily is a sculptor, I would say. Do you want to describe her? Should we describe her at all? Yeah. Look at those she boots. And that has the confidence puppy. that I wish I had for <laughs> yeah. one second. Those I puffy would... sleeves on that dress. Wait, what is around her neck? Is that a necklace or a scarf? I don't know, but either way, it's perfect. It's so cool with her red lipstick and mm-hmm. her hair. And man, we really got to just get on that serious portrait of an artist thing because she just is so badass and serious. Mm-hmm. I bet she's amazing when she smiles, but how can yeah. you be so cool looking? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, so shiny black, I don't know, maybe calf mm-hmm. knee high. I can't tell because she has a long dress on, boots. And then this like rough, what is that te- that like two-tiered thing called? Like Where's pleated? Brianna Boyko when we <laughs> yeah. need her? <laughs> it's like kind of, it's just like, you know, it's like stone scrunchiness and then it kind of like waves. Mm-hmm. In like two different, yeah, mm-hmm. levels. And then these huge puffy sleeves and then like button up kind of on the top a little mm-hmm. bit. Oh my God, red lipstick. She's awesome. Yeah. She's a cool. And okay. she just has like a naturally beautiful face. And just her stance. Mm-hmm. Like... It's like not threatening, strong, but like I feel like if she told me to go clean my room, I would absolutely <laughs> just so blush. <laughs> like she could just say it so calmly. If she told me to room. touch her sculpture, I would not. <laughs> no way. If she was like mix paint for me, yeah. I'd say no. Nope. You just don't even fucking talk. To <laughs> just me about submissive piece. <laughs> go. <away. laughs> You just pee all over the floor. Sorry, 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 sorry. It's her sculpture. What are you doing? Just more pee. <laughs> uh, yeah, the more she touches, like dogs, they pee and then you go to touch them again. They're like, ah, more pee, more pee, more pee. Peeing. Don't get anywhere near me. <laughs> I'd crawl into one of her sculptures to mm-hmm. just go die after that. <laughs> Be like, I'm gonna go die in here. Just leave me. It's just part of the work now. It's part. Just smells now of pee and death. (laughs) It's got so dark really fast. (sighs) We haven't even gotten to the first sentence. Nope. All we know is that she's an American artist and she has shiny black boots on. She's a dominant motherfucker for sure. (laughs) Oh, I just called her a motherfucker. That's not nice. I just meant it in a fun way. I'm sure she's not anything. It's it's not meant mean. <laughs> you really backpedaled on that one. <laughs> Just dug myself, myself a hole. Um. So she was born in 1967 in Chicago. She's mm-hmm. currently living in, working in New York City, though. Her materials she's known for are bronze, ceramic, and raffia. Raffia. I think it's raffia. Oh, that like stuff you make brooms out of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
all I know. Grass? It's like grass. Yeah. Dried grass? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Raffia, right? How do you make shit out of bronze? You pour it? Ew. Okay. Ew. It's <laughs> just so much planning. That's it's where my a, brain It's goes. a lot of planning. You have to like <laughs> melt it. You have to have all this casting stuff. Then you have to pour it and have it not. Can you imagine if you had a bronze leak in your studio? There's nothing you can do. It's worse than peeing mm-hmm. in your studio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to pour random blobs on a paper and I still, <laughs> I just can't do that even like, and I'm so upset about it. Like Don't all I want to do work. is pour a blob and I can't. You're not allowed to ever work with molten metal. No, nope. So she works in sculpture, installation, video performance, and social practice. She does, but more used to describe her work as autoethnographic, which is when an author uses self-reflection and writing to explore anecdotal and personal experience and connect this autobiographical story to wider cultural, political, and social meanings and understandings. Isn't that all art? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, maybe some more than others. I think people less combine like historical Mm -hmm. history with personal history. But she says, she said in a more recent interview that there needs to be room for fiction as well within it. And her interests include African art and vernacular objects, performance and feminism, and post-colonial theory. Her work is concerned with the marginalization, marginalized, my tongue is doing weird things in my mouth. (laughs) That's the lamest excuse I've ever heard for not able to pronounce a word. It like clicked My tongue is doing weird things. (laughs) Marginal, it's still, I think I just don't know how to use my tongue. (laughs) what's going on (laughs) and that's it's just your tongue singing that song to you (laughs) and i said hey um she comes like one of those ridiculous cartoons like ed ed and eddie where they like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know I'm just picturing okay. trying to talk and my tongue just gets a mouth of its own <laughs> it just starts trying to sing that's what I mean it reminds me of Spongebob kind yeah, of yeah. something Spongebob would do okay. um, whew. her work is concerned with the marginalization of women of color and reframe their experience as central to society should not have been that difficult no that was you know what we should do after that <laughs> We should have Dana say marginalization <laughs> yeah. right after that. But it's also not we that need difficult. to do more French things because her French did she just have one <laughs> correction last time? She too. Her French it's accent perfect. is the fucking best. That's why I thought she was that French actress for so long. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's like how did it's we awesome. get her on the podcast? <laughs> I just want to mispronounce everything so she can correct me. I literally, when I hear it, I laugh so hard out loud. It's like. <laughs> my favorite joke i'll never get sick of it it's so good um okay okay so this is from an interview that i'll return to later okay but it's an interview with thelma golden where she asked about her upbringing and simone said i grew up in the south side of chicago and chicago is incredibly segregated i don't think people can even imagine how segregated chicago is Maybe it's changed a little bit, but not much. I was in what's called a white flight neighborhood. It was similar to the neighborhood depicted in Gloria Naylor's book, Linden Hills. Have you heard of this book? I've never heard of it, no. Neither I was just going to ask you if you had a really beautiful version of it on your bookshelf. <laughs> no, but I thought about getting one after I researched it. <laughs> Did you it. find a beautiful one? <laughs> I would. 
So in the story, Linden Hills neighborhood is the place to be in Wayne County with its imitation Swiss chalet, British Tudors, and Georgian townhouses flanked by arbors choked with morning glories. Mm. The ultimate prize is a house on Tupelo. Like Tupelo Honey? The song? Nope. Okay. On Tupelo (laughs) Drive. (laughs) However, only certain people got to live in Linden Hills. And it's not unlike other affluent black communities, but residence in this community is indisputable evidence of making it. Although no one knows what the precise qualifications are, everyone knows that only certain people get to live there and that they want to be among them. And in Linden Hills, up means down. So as residents aspire to move up in the neighborhood's hierarchy to be closer to Tupelo Drive, mm-hmm. And the Nadid family mansion, which was like, they like basically ran this neighborhood. They're actually literally moving down the hill. So up in hierarchy, but down the hill to the mansion. Oh, okay. And this descent is not only geographic, but it's also metaphoric as it's her modern take on Dante's Inferno. And so like each neighbor that we learn about is one of the rings of Dante's Inferno. Ooh, this sounds so good. <clears throat> yeah, so I think I want to get this book and read it. It sounds Also really reminds me of Frank Ocean. He's like, the Black Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. domesticated paradise. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's super, super interesting. Everyone should read Wait. that book. We're going to have a book club now. <gasps> I think we've said this before and then we never did it. We also nope. said we were going to make playlists. Yeah. We should make a playlist for this one. We already got Frank Ocean, mm-hmm. Tupelo Honey. We got... <laughs> <laughs> what is... Who sings that one? Hey! It's in one of my playlists now because I couldn't stop listening to okay, it. Can you find it for me? What's going on? Um, so she finishes her quote by saying, I was so happy when that book came out to sort of see myself for the first time. We were really the beginning of the first black middle class African migration in Chicago. The world had broken open. People were reinventing themselves left and right on our block. There were people who became Buddhist, people who became Muslims. There were a lot of black Jews in Chicago. There were also already many, many years of activism like Operation Push. Everyone was black. The nurses, the teachers, the doctors, the bankers. Everyone was black. So I grew up feeling like my blackness didn't predetermine anything about me. It was very good for my self-esteem. I still feel lucky that I grew up in that crucible. That's how it should be. Like, that's the problem. And anybody who thinks that systemic racism is not a thing doesn't think about the fact that th- that, that doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, everywhere. It's to, to say that it doesn't exist is like just fucking crazy because you're like, okay, well, then this is normal. This yeah. is just how like it that, should be. That experience shouldn't be an anomaly. The, the, yeah. <laughs> I told myself I wasn't going to use that <laughs> I word again. think of another word either. <laughs> Um, that experience should be the norm and it's, yeah, it's, absolutely. it shouldn't be something that's like shocking to hear yeah so simone was born to jamaican missionary parents yay we got all the jamaicans mm-hmm. around here um last couple weeks there wasn't a ton about her like other than that quote there wasn't a ton i could find about her upbringing no okay. um she received her ba in art and minored in philosophy from Earlham College, which is a private liberal arts college in Richmond, Indiana, in 1990. There, she started her training in traditional ceramics, which was like, I think she took a ceramics class kind of on a whim. With the football coach teaching her? (laughs) (laughs) Like yours? A lot like it. Mm -hmm. You know. 
and under the tutelage of practitioners whose lineage can be traced back to the British studio potter Bernard Leach. Harry Potter? Studio Potter? Um, so studio this is British Potter? So this is Bernard Leach. I attached this photo because Buddy. he's so cool looking. I just want to hug him. He's just he's like smoking in an apron with his round glasses. back and like taking mm. a break from his wheel. And then... <laughs> Just taking a break from the old wheel. <laughs> um, and this is one of his pieces to the right. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, how I feel about ceramics <laughs> and film and pretty much anything. <laughs> and film? No, like video art. Yeah. Not movies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm just kidding. It's beautiful. It's especially ceramics like this that feels so decorative. Yeah. It's like flowers and grass on it. I would like the the base thing if it didn't mm-hmm. have that without the yeah i just don't think i like representation that much <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> what <laughs> that thing. what is happening thing, i don't know <laughs> i just it just hit me funny <laughs> We need to get someone else on this podcast with us. We're going crazy. <laughs> anyone, come and join us. Yeah, literally anyone. Do you love representational grass and flowers? Do it. Come here and be with us. Come argue your point. Someone tell Lindsay this. <laughs> Brian will tell me a representation Brian, is everything. Brian, I cannot wait. He was talking mad shit already, trying to ask me to be mm-hmm. his artist. I'm I was like, like does is that, that mean a- you don't think my art is real? <laughs> Fuck you. I was going to say that. Like, that is a major burn. I know. I was so offended. And then I'm just like, I almost asked him. And then I'm like, I don't think I want to know the answer to that question. (laughs) So after spending a semester as an intern at the Smithsonian National Museum of African Art in Washington, D.C. Can you imagine that being your internship? (laughs) I interned at a local nonprofit photography gallery where people with nice cameras <laughs> took pictures of zebras in Africa. So no, I can't imagine nope. that. I interned at a gallery that uh, was so mean to me. <laughs> That's the normal experience. They have to <laughs> be mean so. to you. That's part you of have it. To, you have to hate and dread going there. Yeah. You have to make no money and you have to hate everything and you have to be afraid to make paint for a long time. Yeah. Oh, that was a real job. But Done, done, done. Yeah. <laughs> done, done. Check, check, check. Simone developed an interest in engaging with the often inaccurate categorization, display, and historicization of objects associated with the African diaspora. (laughs) So in... I have opened my mouth. I have something to say. (laughs) In the Smithsonian's archive, she was really interested in how things were like inaccurately Yeah, that's what I'm opening my mouth about. I'm upset that the Smithsonian Mm. of all places with all the money and all the resources... And probably a lot of stolen art mm-hmm. is uh, just like fucking repeating shit wrong. I'm, I should feel bad about not having facts <laughs> in my podcast. The Smithsonian doesn't even fucking know where their historic objects come from. So, right? Like people, kids go there on fucking field trips and shit. Like they're a place of learning. <laughs> they're just putting out false on field information. Trips. Like some people go on field trips to places where they say that Jesus rode dinosaurs. So. But the Smithsonian's not. Is that real? <laughs> what? Where? Yeah. When? How? Did you realize a lot of dinosaurs didn't exist at the same time? 
I didn't know that until my son was very interested in dinosaurs. <laughs> like T-Rex and Stegosaurus didn't exist at, like millions and millions of years apart. Really? Isn't that crazy? My education on dinosaurs comes solely from two places, which land is the before land time. before time <laughs> and Jurassic Park. Yep. They're wrong. <laughs> I yeah. feel betrayed by Hollywood. They're wrong because also <laughs> um, raptors are tiny. They're little babies. Velociraptors are small. Really? They're like, like 1.5 meters tall. Oh. They're still scary, though. Oh, yeah. Terrifying. Um, okay. Okay. So her first job in New York was reproducing tiles for the subway at an architectural ceramics firm. Ooh. Didn't even know that was a thing. That sounds fun. I mean, for one second. Yeah. yeah. And then in 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 in, <laughs> in, in <laughs> interview. <laughs> uh-huh. In an interview with the New York Times in 2018, she said, quote, I was told by everyone I knew in ceramics, there was no way I would ever be included in the contemporary art space because I was largely ignored. I had a long time to mature without any kind of glare, which worked out for me quite well. Meanies. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't like Lorna, just having this beautiful mature work straight out of school? No. Well, that's good because... Those people make me feel bad about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she had a nice, like, mellow simmer until she was ready to mm, that's how for the world to taste her. Soup. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, By the way, you sent me that video of you <laughs> making soup, and I was like so close to being like, turn it down a little bit. It's going <laughs> so hard. And then I'm like, just let her so be alone. Low. It was on the lowest it could go, though. What? Yeah. You're okay. Your burner's broken. This is why your beans didn't work out. I'm serious. I'm not joking <laughs> with you right now. Your beans cannot go that hard. <laughs> they have to go slower. Okay. Well, okay. I'm never Fix doing beans your again. Burner. <laughs> We're doing them together. And okay. you're gonna love I have it. a whole bag of beans that I'm just ignoring. No, you have to do it. You said you would. Don't lie to me. You're not in Ventura. You they're have in, to cook those beans. They're in no one's gonna get it because i'm taking it out don't make ventura <laughs> i love it i have to i'm gonna joke about ventura this whole time in places you can't take it out so you have to put it in her career as an artist began to take off when she was chosen for the influential studio museum in harlem residency in 2010 1990 oh that was her ba did she get her master's no no yeah she so didn't actually go to like an years? art school or anything what 20 years between being done with art school or being done with school yeah and yeah like when her career started to take off she was still making stuff but that's why yeah that's great news okay (laughs) moving on (laughs) yeah it's not like everyone else who's like right after they graduated (laughs) instant success she got a million (laughs) dollars that comes soon oh well Um, i still have like 10 years so i'm it's okay. We yeah. can talk about you it. You have time. <laughs> so the first work I'm going to cover is called The Waiting Room from 2016. Because Are I those mean, jars look this, yours? Yeah. <laughs> look at these jars. I saw this and I'm like, okay, I have to include this. Just a wall of glass jars and material. She so looks, cool. she's mean mugging. She scares the shit out of me right there. Yeah, that's a very intimidating portrait. That's like, go clean your room now. <laughs> yeah. Did you not hear me the first time, Nicole? Clean your room. And People don't are gonna be pee so on conf- the ground. <laughs> Stop fucking peeing. People are going to be so confused that I call myself Nicole. I just realized. Nicole. <laughs> yeah, she looks terrifying and beautiful and amazing. Mm-hmm. What is this in the middle of this fluffy nest? Are these chilies? Know. 
what are what tell me the only thing that she talks about specifically is bringing in 70 pounds of chamomile so i don't really know what those are (laughs) those must be chilies then those look like chilies yeah so 2070 pounds Mm -hmm. so 2016's the waiting room provided public and private health care sessions on the fifth floor of the new museum but also so much more so Mm -hmm. this exhibition honors esmond elizabeth green who died from blood clots after sitting in a waiting room of a brooklyn hospital for 24 hours the show provides an alternative vision of healthcare shaped by female African-American experience. Yes. Lee says, quote, obedience is one of the main threats to black women's health. What happened to Green is an example of the lack of empathy people have towards the pain of black women. It's like they were talking about Serena Williams and I had no idea about the whole thing with Serena Williams. Did you? Like how she told, she like told her doctors that she was in pain. I think it was postpartum, like after she Mm -hmm. had a baby. And she was like telling them over and over and over. None of the doctors would believe her. They were just like, oh no, it's fine. Or, oh, it's just this or that. And she happened to have this like rare thing. Or maybe it wasn't rare and it was just a thing that Mm -hmm. they should have known. But they just didn't fucking believe her. And she's Serena Williams. Like, I think this is a greater issue also of just doctors being skeptical of what patients say in general. But it's also so much worse for black patients. Yeah, if that was a white woman who was famous, tell me they wouldn't check into it. They would be having anything thrown at them. Yeah, but like that was fucking Nicole Kidman. Tell me what they would have done. (laughs) I already know. (laughs) I used to be obsessed with Discovery Health Channel. Did you watch that? Mm -hmm. Like all the all the time shows. Mm -hmm. And the one I loved was Mystery Diagnosis. And what I learned from that is doctors really don't like listening to people's problems and they Mm -hmm. throw out what it most likely or most commonly is. But if it doesn't work, they're just like, it's probably this, it's probably this. And they're just not willing to look at other things. Anyways, I can only imagine how much more frustrating and traumatizing it is for Black patients in general, but Black women. Okay. Okay, so Lee's show... The Waiting Room offers an African-American female vision of healthcare as an alternative to the hugely expensive system in the U.S. dominated by insurance and drug companies swooping in upon the sick, exhausted, and depressed. And she says, like, those three words perfectly describe Green, Esmond Elizabeth Green. The exhibition includes a public health center that offers free workshops on holistic care and a six-week herbalism course, community acupuncture classes, and massage sessions alongside a series of health and wellness lectures. It's awesome. The show connects to Lee's previous project called The Free People's Medical Clinic, which she created in Brooklyn in 2014, and which offered health care without charge. The new museum is not free, so it's impossible to relocate the Free People's Medical Clinic here. However, she found a way around the gallery's $20 entrance fee outside exhibition hours. There were workshops hosted in private as part of a project called The Waiting Room Underground. Ooh. She said, we will be hosting these workshops when the museum is closed. There won't be any spectatorship, no photography or video. This is a long-standing tradition of continuing your work underground when you're not allowed to do it in public. I don't feel like I'm doing anything new. It's just different because it's in an art context. Inspired by African-American secret societies and private clubs, such as the free medical clinic set up by the Black Panthers in the 1960s and the United Order of Tents, a society of Black female nurses that dates back to the Underground Railroad, 
Lee wanted to keep this part of the exhibition out of the public eye. So on the museum's fifth floor, the exhibition features a meditation room with a fully stocked apothecary filled with herbs Lee has collected from all over the world. Lee is partnering with local organizations that will bring in groups of black women to attend three different classes, including home economics, self-defense, and self-awareness courses led by the herbalist Karen Rose, the musician Karo Watanabe, and the philosopher Amy Meredith Cox. There will also be taiko drumming classes for LGBT youth and a six-week paid summer internship for teens who will work alongside museum staff. Everything she's doing is so amazing for... Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. We didn't even get paid as regular interns, not even teenagers. (laughs) I know. I had to swirl frozen yogurt for money. (laughs) God, Golden Spoon's so good, though. Mm. So in 2017, after being ignored for decades by the mainstream art establishment... Yeah, what the hell? (laughs) Lee's profile has risen sharply in recent years. She won the Studio Museum in Harlem's $50,000 Joyce Alexander Ween, Ween? 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 Joyce Alexander Ween Artist Prize in 2017 and the prestigious $100,000 Hugo Boss Prize, which comes with a solo show at New York's Solomon R. Guggenheim Museum, which happened in 2018. So this was in 2018. This is an exhibit at Luring augustine this exhibition features a body of sculptural work that departs from and continues the exploration of her earlier series called anatomy of architecture and this series is like she reimagines human forms through architectural tropes drawn from west africa and the american south posing timely questions about racial stereotypes in these works she draws upon contrasting histories of ancient Roman Egyptian and more recent American vernacular art and architecture with a focus on anthropomorphic features of objects and their relationship to specific functions. So there's like a 200 BC bronze uh, vase and lid in the form of a Nubian boy to face jugs produced by enslaved African-American potters in South Carolina and something called Mammy's Cupboard, which is a Mississippi cafe housed in the figure of a woman's skirt like the the cafe is you like walk into her skirt skirt. yeah lee's new ceramic sculptures parse how these objects emblematize and problematize space in regard to the body fusing and implicating the human form with architecture here's the picture of mammy's cupboard so during the civil rights movement in the 60s the skin color you know mammy's skin it was repainted to a lighter shade <gasps> they michael jacksoned her what the fuck isn't dude? that also did you notice how um Aunt jemima like was off the shelves at some point during last year mm-hmm. and now yeah. it's just back no change made they just were like oh no everyone's mad at us and then they're like okay no one cares anymore <laughs> go wow the fuck <laughs> right not fucked up yeah it's it's even worse that like no one's raising a fuss about it now it like because they're getting yeah Complacent. they were right about it yeah but they could just come back and be like okay everyone's cool now that's nuts yeah okay. wow um this is the weirdest fucking looking thing when it's painted white by the way what is happening it looks so scary What's up with her eyebrows when she's oh, painted a lighter mammy. shade? <laughs> yeah. She looks like the weirdest 
What's up with her? I don't know. I guess she looks that weird before, too. They just depict them super weird. Her boobs are so intense, like mm-hmm. Madonna boobs. Yeah. So it's um the the cafe is this this like hut, round hut they that's her skirt and you walk in and eat there and then on top of the hut is her from like her waist up um so it's like her her torso and her head on top of this cafe hut and she's holding a tray like as if she's serving you something yeah and there's like windows all around her skirt and then a door mm-hmm. so if you look up you can clearly see the relationship between that shape and then these sculptures where the the hut is made of the raffia 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh i really hope it's wrong so dana can correct it over and over <laughs> <laughs> um the raffia grass and then the top is made of these women's new chests and their heads are actually vases or like have vases as part of them oh part of their head you see is this one just a vase instead of a head? There's one that doesn't even have a head, right? Yeah, it's just kind of like this oval, yeah, empty vase. So then down below, because they also mentioned um, face jugs produced by enslaved African-American potters in South Carolina. Okay. This is what those look like. They're terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like if you had to have one of these or one of Claire's sculptures, <laughs> oh, which God. one would it be? <laughs> Cool. I think I might pick this still. <laughs> I would pick this and maybe like turn it around. <laughs> but I also really like it. It's so weird looking. It's so I love weird, it. but so it's unsettling. Te- so like, okay, for people, it's like these dark ceramic vases with wide set eyes, fully open, but kind of like they're in a trance. And then their mm-hmm. eyebrows are raised. And then a relaxed. <laughs> they're surprised. Yeah, but like a relaxed open mouth with jagged teeth. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know what it looks like? It looks like mm. the snake from Beetlejuice. With yes. his teeth are like, yeah. and his mm. eyes are super big. And he's like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. Except this one looks, the <laughs> the bottom right one, he just looks confused. He's yeah, like, he does. Ooh. His eyes are kind of like braces. I can't eat apples. Why not? <laughs> so sad. Um, oh, buddy. Yeah. They're just, they're so. And they have ears. Eerie. It looks like something that would be in an upcoming Jordan Peele film. I don't know what that means. Jordan Peele made Get Out and Us. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. No? Really? Not, not really, no. You I heard about it, Get but I haven't Out? seen it. No. <laughs> I've heard about it. For real, I've heard about it, though. But I just, okay. it's like a horror Tom- film, right? Tomorrow. Not really. It's more like a racial psychological thriller. Oh, tomorrow you have to watch get out if you make beans tomorrow i'll watch get out tomorrow (laughs) fine i'll do it (laughs) really yeah okay the second i see your beans are done and you've eaten them i will start watching it (laughs) if they're not good i'm not eating them but i will make them okay just don't boil them so hard some stuff about these jug faces because it's pretty interesting so between 1850s and 1880s, the Edgefield District in South Carolina became a center for pottery made by enslaved African-Americans, possibly for use on the plantation, possibly for their own use, and possibly later for sale. We cannot be certain of its use. But there's many theories about the purpose and origin of jug- face drugs. So it was illegal in South Carolina for slaves to write, 
So there are no no known firsthand documents explaining the face jokes, but there's a record of a conversation between two white men, of course. Everything a white man says has to be written down. Great. (laughs) Um, Same person who made Aunt Jemima. Great. (laughs) Thomas Davies, a plantation and pottery owner in Bath in the Edgefield District, told Edwin Atlee Barber in 1893 that this is so specific for these people to be having this conversation. Um, (laughs) Hey, if you've seen these jugs, you'd remember it too. I guess so. It's very memorable. Um, so in 1893 that he remembered his slaves making fa- It's such a weird sentence to even say that he remembered his slaves making yeah. face jugs. It's a gross sentence to say. Um, but he remembered his slaves making face jugs during their free time in 1862. Both men believed that the faces derived from some primitive African culture. Many agreed with them, but the date of 1862 poses a potential problem for this theory. In 1808, the act prohibiting importation of slaves from 1807 was passed into law. If face jugs were brought to America by enslaved Africans, this form would have been lain dormant for 50 years or so before being reactivated in South Carolina, which seems very unlikely. So, Also, are we sure that these guys are the first ones who ever saw it? I mean... Ego, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, I have discovered something. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. So there's a plausible solution to this dilemma. Okay. Another theory. White men don't sco- know what they're talking about. That's mm-hmm. my guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm fully behind you on that one. 100%? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 100%. Okay. Um, a more scholarly one Ooh. accounts for the faces and their ugliness with like that's, that's not very nice i wouldn't say they're ugly yeah <laughs> they're just a little um unsettling <laughs> <laughs> not ugly though i think they're cute yeah cute little beetlejuice men and their ugliness with the explanation that the jugs were a form of self-identification within slavery what they looked like was how slaves felt they were psychological self-portraits that helped slaves deal with their physical displacement and loss of self-worth a form of aversion therapy in clay. It's also well known that the face jugs were commonly associated with graveyards, which hints at a spiritual function. Perhaps mm. they were used as grave markers to ward off evil spirits. A contemporary South Carolina potter who can trace his ancestors to slavery has stated that, quote, the idea was that the face jug would be ugly enough to scare the devil away from your grave so your soul could go to heaven. Wait, so this person finally knows? We know this person knows? If he's saying it pretty matter-of-factly, but I don't know. I'm going to just say, hmm. Whenever you say, hmm, to me, hmm. I get really nervous. Like, you're just, you're wrong, is what you're saying when you say, hmm. hmm. Go back and listen to our podcast. Every time you say, hmm, hmm. is when I'm wrong. <laughs> 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 or you're judging me and you don't agree with me, but you don't want to go into it. I think Anyways. that's me just not having anything to say. I'm just like, hmm. <laughs> Ooh, I like the one that has no face that is just a mm-hmm. uh, just vase or a jug, jug or whatever. Head. Oh, wait, um, that makes so much sense. The faces and the jugs. Mm-hmm. Face jugs. Wait, so did she talk about this? What? Is that why you brought this up? Yeah, so that's a, up above. She talked about the relationship between these objects and the human body. And so like 
the face jugs and this like skirt house type thing you know all of those things she didn't say more than that's what it was talking about okay yeah um so this is a piece from 2018 called cupboard eight And this is just her quote here. Ironically, in the Cupboard series of works, I refer to a place in Mississippi called Mammy's Cupboard, which we just talked about, which is a restaurant in the form of a mammy, and the skirt is where the patrons would enter to eat. I thought the symbolic violence in this gesture of going in to eat in someone's skirt was really stunning. (laughs) So scary. (laughs) And that it symbolically tells a larger story about the experience of black women. I have been interested in the symbolic parts of that building since I encountered it in an Edward Weston photograph, which is this one. And she's just like smiling and also Mm -hmm. serving you, serving you with her hands. And then you're going underneath her skirt to eat. Mm -hmm. It's just what the fuck (laughs) Uh, all around over and over and over again. And then they repaint her face and then it's just again. (laughs) Oh, my God. So ashamed of everything. Mm hmm. Yep. Is this just one or is there what? many of these? Is this, this the only one or is there more? No, there's there's more and they keep developing. Maybe oh, no, restaurants? No, no, no. Sorry, oh, they meant. Like they're still <laughs> making Mammy restaurants to this day? They're all over the place. They're basically like the South's McDonald's. <laughs> oh my God. Imagine. No, I think this is the only one. I thought. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the sculpture. sculpture. You scared me. I was like, <laughs> we really need to revolutionize our <laughs> life. I mean, that too. Burn everything. Burn Aunt Jemima from the shelves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I saw this piece, which was included in, I mean, it's still there in the Whitney Museum show about crafting. It's called Making Knowledge, colon, Craft in Art, 1950 to 2019. Oh, the So I saw this exhibition when I was in New York the year before, 2019. So the show's running from... It started in November 2019, and it's going... I think it just got extended because I've s- seen two different dates, but it's, I guess, going until February 2022. The description of the show talks about um, craft and art foregrounds how visual artists have explored the methods of strategies of craft over the past seven decades. Some expand techniques with long histories, such as weaving, sewing, or pottery, while others experiment with textiles, thread, clay, beads, and glass, among other mediums. The traces of the artist's hands-on engagement with their materials invite viewers to imagine how it might feel to make each work. Specific shout-out to other middlebrow artists in this show, Ruth Asawa, mm. Eva Hessa, Injadeka Akunili Crosby, and so many future ones that I know both of us want to cover. Also, in this exhibition... <laughs> I cried. You did seeing Eva's piece in the show. Which one was it? It was her, you know, at the end where she had the ropes and she was like dipping them in latex and like stringing mm-hmm. it up. Yeah. It was that one, and it was the first piece that I've actually cried at. I was like, <gasps> Oh my god! I guess I do like art. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I, I can't so imagine seeing it in person. It was so beautiful. But I always felt so left out because everyone has talked about the first piece that they've cried at. And I was like, I've never, I guess I don't have a soul. But I guess I no one's crying while looking at me and at the piece. So I can't cry. <laughs> yeah. It's impossible. I just start staring at people. Are you crying? Maybe I can cry. Yeah. 
no no not great (laughs) okay well um i think more than the piece it reminded me of how special she was and how how much work she wasn't able to accomplish because of her young death I think that piece in particular would make me cry too because I know it was near the end. Mm-hmm. When I was thinking about Overby and the late, I like, it was almost a joke in my head. Like, well, I'm not going to do that. I don't want cancer. And then, I was and then you're like, like, fuck, he died of cancer. Like it all hit me at once. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, artists need to be more careful. Stop yep. doing what you're doing. <laughs> Stop touching things that are dangerous. Okay. So... Remember, she got the Hugo Boss Award. Mm-hmm. $100,000. Yep. And she got the exhibit at the Guggenheim. Oh. Mm-hmm. So this is that show. It's called Loophole of Retreat. And it's in 2019. The show was from April 18th, 2019 to October 27th, 2019. And it was really small. It was just like this room and like a side room. But it's still in the same room. If you look down, there's these like concrete wall that she created. I was just going to ask that she made that wall. Mm -hmm. I really like it. I want it in my house. (laughs) So it's just this one room in the show. There's, let's see. Yeah. There's like five pieces total. There's three body sculptures as you walk in. And then there's a concrete L-shaped wall. And then there's a sculpture in there as well that you can like walk around and look at. Oh, I see it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go like walk us through. So, just months after winning the 2018 Hugo Boss Award, a prize that recognizes achievement in contemporary art, finally she's getting recognized. The Brooklyn Only artist a thousand years later, right? Way too late, but whatever. The Brooklyn the Brooklyn artist opened a highly anticipated solo exhibition at the Guggenheim. Peggy Guggenheim, the Guggen. Um, the googs you know we love the googs <laughs> <laughs> titled loophole of retreat the show comprised a new series of sculptures and sound installation my mm. girl olive loves sound i love fucking sound it's the best thing <laughs> i've cursed so much in this episode already <laughs> i love sound um all made specially for the institution uh so the curator susan thomas said we were unanimous in selecting her. Simone right. Lee has a long-standing and unwavering commitment to addressing black women as both the subjects of an audience for her work and recalibrates the outmoded structures that shape contemporary society. What's outmoded mean? Do we know? Old-fashioned. Ye old outmoded. <laughs> ye old outmoded structures. Hear ye. Outmoded ye. Hear ye. Structures ye. <laughs> You structures are outmoded. <laughs> it sounds like demoted. Moded. Oh. Outmoded. Outmoded. It's kind of the same, actually. <laughs> yeah. So entering the room on the Guggen- Guggenheim's fourth In floor. The Guggen's- <laughs> visitors are faced with three monumental female forms that allude to notions of domesticity, dwellings, and community. People eating under skirts. <laughs> um, do you want to describe here? Get in here. Talk about these. Get in pieces. here. Get in here. Okay. This feels like class now. All of a I sudden. kind of describe them down here. So, <laughs> do you okay, want me to go I'm through and describe... then you can jump in? Uh, no, go ahead. Just do it. <laughs> can you put them right next to each other? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The three main sculptures in the main room. One is what is this made of? This black material 
I think they're bronze. So there's one jug sculpture and the base of the jug is, you know, the bottom half of the woman. And then there's a, you know, naked rest of her torso. And she is a black woman with an afro. And the jug has like a little, those little like boop handles on it. She has no arms. Her arms are cut off kind of like, what's those sculptures in Rome and stuff? He's naked, his dick's out, and then his arms, and it's just a torso, basically. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Everyone anyway, knows. <laughs> yeah. So her arms are cut off, like, at that part. Seeing this close-up picture of the jug one, it's so beautiful. Her, like, she has lips and a nose, but her eyes, like, there's not even a spot for the eyes. It's like they're filled in a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's just no eyes. And her afro so perfect looking. It's really, really pretty. And I like how matte black it is. Jug, for example, depicts a black female bust emerging from a weighty vessel with a handle. Mm, take out the part where I describe these pieces. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfect. And then um, another one is similar, a, like a black woman with an afro, except it's just from her neck up. And then... Below the neck is like the skirt thing again with this raffia. And then what is that next to it? Then there's like a, how would you describe that? It's like a corrugated dome that's like kind of long. It's like a half dome. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been to Half Dome in Yosemite. <laughs> but the face of the, like the cut face is corrugated looking. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of kind of like a airplane hanger. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it does look like that shape. Yeah. But it's like attached to the skirt girl. And it's totally solid. Like it's not hollow. Um, Like it might actually be hollow, but it's not like um, you can see through it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just like an arc. Sentinel is a sphinx-like form that features Mm -hmm. a woman's face sitting atop what resembles the corrugated iron of a roof or dwelling. You cheated. You knew. It's so complicated. <laughs> um, Lee's women are rendered without eyes as if resisting the complications that come with that gaze. And then one of them is a terracotta. What is that on the top of there? Pipes? It's a pipe, yeah. It's like not a, like a smoking pipe. It's like, looks yeah, like, like a, a plumbing, plumbing pipe. pipe. But it's terracotta and it's curved on one. So there's two ways to get for like water or whatever to get out on each side it almost looks like a t-shirt kind of and then one pipe that goes down and then again the raffia skirt and these are super tall they're gigantic at 11 feet high damn entitled panoptica the largest sculpture is an expansive skirt form covered in raffia the sculpture is an expansive skirt covered in raffia that supports the prefabricated terracotta clay pipe where the chest slash head of the female figure would normally exist. I don't know why I put it down here. We talked about it before. But we didn't know it was from African palm trees. No one yeah, said that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so it's dried fibers from African African palm trees, which I know them for being tied in bows around dried wreaths from the 80s. Did you ever have those in your <laughs> Oh my God, your yes. Your absolutely. They used to tie it around candles and stuff too, mm-hmm. right? Like Seems decorative dangerous. candles. Oh, no one burned those candles. They had dust all around them everywhere. (laughs) They're too expensive to be burned. In the back of the room, we face a concrete structure made of breeze block walls, a common construction material in the global south. 
inside so it kind of looks like you know in like 70s homes when you walk up to the front door and there's those like you know those blocks that are decorative Mm -hmm. that's what it looks like reminds me of a lot of apartment complexes in Mm -hmm. parts of la maybe that's why i love it so much i really like it i don't know why it makes me super happy yeah inside there's a layered sound montage of old songs quotidian sounds such as children's clapping games and even a recording of a recent protest at a brooklyn women's prison within the installation's trellised walls sits i think that's you know the breeze blocks um there sits uh, a sculpture called the Village Series Number no. Fourteen, which is a bell-shaped stoneware vessel adorned with woven forms braided to the tension of cornrows, mm. enclosed by concrete walls that enclave simultaneously recalls a prison cell and a sacred space. The exhibition title is a coinage of the once enslaved abolitionist Harriet Jacobs, who in 1861 pseudonymously published an account of her life, including seven years she spent hiding from her master in a crawl space. Seven years? I don't know why her account isn't as famous as Anne Frank's. It should be way more famous. Well, well they okay, both. Yes. <laughs> Calm At the down. same time. Well. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i got this is why i edit <laughs> way more famous who's anne frank what did she ever do just uh, a helpless child so also within the show because she's amazing and always thinks about everyone else so outside the galleries known for her sustained mentorship of the young women artists and interest in the wider social impact of her art making, Simone also brought together an international constellation of writers, poets, artists, filmmakers, and academics for a day-long gathering on April 27th to celebrate the intellectual life of Black women. I'm sorry, I just keep coming back to the fact that, like, we have to have a day to do that. (laughs) Like, not that she's doing that, but it's just like, she's doing that because it's necessary and our society made it necessary, which is the problem. So this one I'm so excited to share with you. It's called... <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> brick House, 2019. She's a brick house. <laughs> Exhibited June 5th, 2019 to spring 2021. It's so gigantic. It looks like her yeah. other little baby but pieces. Huge. But gigantic, yeah. It's um 16 feet tall and on top of a five foot plinth. Oh, I was like, 16 feet? That's not that big. It's in New York City, and it's on the High Line where people walk. It's like a park now. It's between buildings on, well, it's a High Line, but it's like over. Like a walkway. It's over a road, though, so people drive under it. It's like She's dead center you. above yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. And it's a huge head and a neck on top of the dome shape. And it's all bronze. Again, it's it's so it's all black bronze with the Afro hair, but also cornrow like on the hairline and then going down kind of in front of her ears. No eyes, but really defined nose and mouth, smooth neck, and then this hut, but it incorporates a new like texture, which relates back to well, I'll share in a second. It kind of looks like the cornrow ones that she did the, on those little ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's obviously not braids or cornrows, but it kind of reminds me of those little jugs that had the mm-hmm. cornrows on them. 
she's all in this blue dress, like on top of a <laughs> I know scaffolding, making it like mm-hmm. all dressed up. Damn, she's um, cool. So here's some images of it being made in this beautiful brick house. <laughs> okay, where is this with the vines on it? Why? Mm-hmm. It's created Whoa. in in clay and then cast in bronze. This new work is part of Anatomy of Architecture, a series of smaller works that often combine the human body with half dome as a skirt. Brick House combines a number of different architectural styles. Patamaliba architecture from Benin and Togo, the Teleuk dwellings of the Muzgom people of Cameroon and Chad, and the restaurant Mammy's Cupboard, which we talked about in Mississippi. She said that the title Brick House about this, she said, I just like the idea about thinking of femininity in a different way as something solid and enduring rather than something fragile and weak. Yeah. And like I said, it's 16 feet tall and also put on a five foot tall plinth. In this, she's talked about how she avoids using eyes as a way of abstraction in order to avoid speaking about a singular person. The piece was cast in Philadelphia at Stratton Sculpture Studios and the piece is made of 9,000 pounds of clay and then cast with 6,000 pounds of bronze. Um, And the owner referred to Simone as a goddess. And yes, Athena has a new face and it is (laughs) Simone. (laughs) Can we please do a whole podcast on the Greek Athena, but it's Simone instead? Yes, absolutely. She tells you to clean your room. From what I can tell, they sculpted it in clay in this like brick house building. And then they came and put, I don't know how you like build stuff for casting bronze, but like it looks like they just putty things kind of over the clay and then make a shell of it. And then they do it in like pieces and then they take off the pieces and then they cast those kind of separately back in the studio and then someone puts it back together by like welding it together and then smoothing it out. She was already together before the pieces. Yeah, that was the clay. And now they're... Oh, then they use those pieces to make the, the pieces. bronze parts? Yeah, they move. They use those pieces to be able to like capture the shape. And then once they have those, they remove it. And then in the studio, they use that mold to cast the bronze. Oh, so the clay doesn't ever stay? Yeah. Then the clay's like done. Oh, I see. It's gone. I see it. Okay. She met it in New York City and they, like, as you can see, just craned it into place. That's nuts. Yeah. Okay. Now for two goddesses to come together. (gasps) Okay. Ready? The summer 2019 issue of Garage with Zendaya. So Simone and Zendaya collaborated. I don't know who Zendaya is. What? Mm Mm-mm. Are you kidding me? Hey, you didn't know that what's her name was Beyonce's sister, so. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Zendaya, there's like, everyone's talking about how Zendaya owns Hollywood right now. Who is she? She's most famous for her role in Euphoria. She's the main girl. Oh, I never watched that show. Okay. Um, Okay. Zendaya is badass. This is their collaboration. Look at her in this like 500 foot tall skirt. I, it's so cool. How, what is she standing on? I need to know. <laughs> I need to see. I'm sure it's like scaffolding in there. Oh, yeah. But there's like huge. It's like it's 30 so feet cool. tall. It really is. It's bigger than it's bigger than the brick house one. Yeah. They're 
in a warehouse in order to shoot this. <laughs> so awesome. Um, and then there's also this clay skirt that she's in. And then here's like one of the wire frames of the skirts Ooh. that is underneath that she puts the raffia on. And she That's and so Zendaya's cool. just posed inside of the wire frame oh God, on love- a pier. And it looks like she just has a skirt on starting at dress. her boobs and going <laughs> down. Yeah. Because <laughs> she can do that. Because her boobs are never in the way. Zendaya both wears Lee's work and becomes her women. Zendaya, who's interested in expanding the canon of characters that young black women are allowed to play in Hollywood, fits perfectly within the larger narrative of Simone's work. This portfolio of images photographed by Ryan McGinley. I feel like I know him. Wasn't he the one who did the naked kids and like, (gasps) I knew it. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He took like road trips. Damn, I knew somebody. I'm so proud of myself. (laughs) Look at you. You deserve to host an art podcast. Oh, I do. So below, this is an interview with Thelma Golden, who's the director of Studio Museum in Harlem, about creativity and the importance of uplifting the stories of people of color. And I've just picked like a few responses here and there. But if you want to read the whole conversation of the three of them, uh, you can find it online. Oh, this is the one from the beginning, too. Yeah. Okay. Simone said, I kept on thinking about Isamu Noguchi and Martha Graham and the way he created sculpture for her, which has been interesting to me for a while. I've been making different kinds of apparatus with my long-term collaborator, Amy Meredith Cox, and I've been thinking about this kind of collaboration with another artist where the sculpture will augment her body or can be happening adjacent to her body. But it was important for me in the shoot for the sculpture not to become backdrop or decoration. Also, I was very interested by the role I feel like Zendaya has in her world right now, which is so necessary. Um, And Zendaya asks Simone, you know how I was just saying everything has to be done or you have to do things with purpose? What do you feel like with your art and what you create? What do you feel like is your purpose? What do you hope that the world or that people are able to connect with or take from your work? What do you feel like that impact is or what do you want that impact to be? And Simone said, I think that recently as my work has become a lot more visible and also because of my mentors like Thelma and Peggy Cooper, Caffritz in DC, I've been more aware of the responsibility that comes with success. I've tried to make space for other artists whenever I can and shine a light on other artists and intellectuals when I can. There's a problem of describing anything as being a first because it erases all the work that people have already done. I do feel a great sense of responsibility, and it's a pure pleasure. It doesn't feel oppressive to me at all. I feel like this is the work that I'm here to do. As things go forward, I feel more and more like I found my place, which is really lovely for me, because I was always a very awkward Black woman. I'm really happy that I have some usefulness and something to contribute. Oh, I love her so much. (laughs) She's just like, I'm just happy to be here. I'm awkward and I'm just happy I'm here. <laughs> no, right? So cute. <laughs> and meanwhile, she's a goddess in real life. Yeah. And she just just thinking of herself as awkward. Mm-hmm. There was this great, I think it was like a CBS feature, like a kind of brief feature on Brick House that was being done. And they're like, when did you feel like you made it? And she just kind of giggled. She's like, I guess when CBS reached out to me for an interview. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> um yeah so lastly um in october 2020 it was announced that simone would make history at the venice 
biennial by representing the United States in 2022, Mm. making her the first black woman ever to do the country's pavilion at the world's top art festival. Quote, there's no better artist for our time, said Jill Medvedo, Mm -hmm. the director of the Institute of Contemporary Art Boston, the museum commissioning the pavilion. I haven't seen anything further about this other than basically this statement being passed around. I am so excited to see what she's going to do in Venice. Quick question. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I don't know enough about the art world. What, what? If she's representing us, what does that mean? She's the only artist there? There's just mm-hmm. one artist from each country? What's happening? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mark went, right? Mm-hmm. Marky Mark? Okay. And then Felix Gonzalez-Torres posthumously oh yes 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 yes. okay Mm -hmm. yeah it's like i've always heard it and then i'm like well she truly is a goddess then and cbs likes her and (laughs) And she thought that was cool (laughs) she likes cbs was she a nerdy (laughs) popular kid oh real quick i got everything from the whitney website art news guggenheim the new york times wall street journal hauser and worth Art Observed, Contemporary Art Daily, Gallery Magazine, Art Well Guide, Garage Vice, Guardian, and Antiques Journal. Antiques Journal? <laughs> it was for the um, the face jug pots things. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> gotcha. That makes sense. Yep. That's Simone. Wow. She was great. Okay. Go, please. Go, please. <laughs> go. Go. Get out of my life, please. Goodbye. I'm going to demand politely that you tell friends about us go clean your room and then go tell friends about us if you like the podcast um follow our instagram where you can see images of everything we've talked about and um rate review subscribe because apparently that means a lot to get noticed share 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 our patreon go listen to fun facts too go support them hell yeah and just do better do better Mm-hmm. and go watch um what did i tell you to go watch mm-hmm. get out go watch get out okay go make beans okay i love you i love you bye goodbye bye bye